This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Unforgettable, that's the series we are in. And so it's about those verses that encourage us, those scriptures that help us get through tough times. And I love this series. And what I love about it is that it gives us a, a structure to be able to talk together, a structure that we're able to share together. And it's a way that we can all share what God has done for each and every single one of us personally. And a lot of us, we have these unforgettable verses that have challenged us in our lives. They have uh, been the ones that have been able to encourage us even through tough times. And a lot of us, we have these, these verses and, and they tie us to specific moments in our lives that we are able to share then with one another. In other words, our, our unforgettable verses, they remind us how God is inviting each and every single one of us to be a part of his story. And so for many of us, these verses, they're the ones that God, he has placed for us in our lives, these unforgettable verses. And we allow these verses to kind of become a, a vision or a vision statement for our lives. And it gives us verbiage to find our deepest goals. It gives us a reminder of God's plan that he has for us. And then it makes scripture personal. And that's big. It, it connects us with God's truth that's been written down thousands of years ago. And we're able to see how it still rings true in our lives today here in the year 2021. And it connects us with this history of believers ever since then, ever since those words were written down. It connects us with believers all throughout history. And so throughout this series, if you don't have an unforgettable verse, that's totally okay. That's totally all right, because right now it's actually a great opportunity to be able to, to take some time to hear some stories. We heard from Brent today. Uh, you're going to hear from other elders. You're going to hear from other uh, ministers here on staff. Um, and be able to dive into Scripture, to be able to pray, be able to, to think about the verses that can and have impacted us in our lives. And so for some of us, we were able to choose our verses. For others of us, our unforgettable verse, it could be one that somebody else gave to us, and that was my case. So growing up, my dad, he would drive me and my brothers to school, and we didn't live too far away from school. It was about a two-minute drive. We'd uh, make a right turn, um, and we'd head left out of our neighborhood. We'd go over a hill, and then boom, you're at school two minutes later. Um, so it was quite often I'd roll out of bed. If school started at 8, I'd be out of bed at like 7.50. Um, I knew where my shoes were. I knew where my lunch was. Get to school. But my dad always had something that he wanted to teach me in that two-minute car ride. I'm like, that's the last thing I want to do, just rolling out of bed, is learn something, right, while I'm going to go learn other things. Now, how many of us are dads here? How many of us? I'm, I'm not a dad. But dads, they're naturally born with this talent, right? They are born from day one, dads are, with this talent. Um, no not always to fix things. It's not always their grilling skills. It's not even to, to look good with all those, those white new balances that are grass-stained, right? The knee-high socks while they're mowing. That's not dad's greatest talent, no. Dad's greatest talent is, is the, the natural ability to know how to come up with a dad joke, a dad joke, a dad joke. And when does a dad joke become a dad joke? Well, when it becomes apparent, right? When it becomes clear, apparent, no, no, yeah, okay. It was a dad joke. There we go, you're allowed to laugh. My dad, he had jokes, right? But he was also a pastor, and he had these things that I framed this week, I ended up calling them dad sermons, right? 
So our dads have dad jokes, my dad had dad sermons. So whether or not we wanted to learn a certain lesson, he'd say it to us anyways. And some of these little dad sermons went like this. Um, as, as we're pulling up to the stoplight at Southside School, dad, he'd go through his little sermon. He'd say, all right, guys, be safe, be smart, be like Jesus. All right, yeah, that's great wisdom, right? Be safe, be smart, be like Jesus. He had this other one, and it was more of like a question, but he, you know, he, he told us the answers. He said, what are the two things that you're not allowed to be when you grow up? And our answer was always like dead tired, self-righteous or unrighteous, right? Right, there's a, there's a healthy balance in between. So that was that little lesson that he would teach us there. And then there's this verse that he would always have us recite. And this is the verse that, that we're going to be going over today. In this verse, it's forever ingrained into my mind. And as I got older, I realized how much more it actually meant to me growing up. And he would ask us to repeat the words that Paul gave Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12. And we're going to have um, our scripture up here on the screen, but we also have our notes in the YouVersion app. So if you want to hop on there, you can go to uh, Parkview Finley and find our live events and follow along there. But 1 Timothy 4.12, it says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in your speech, life, love, faith, and your purity. And I remember hearing those words, and they resonated with me growing up, especially as I started graduating and decided I wanted to go into ministry. Um, this verse, it was special to me because it was, first off, it's an encouragement by Paul, right? By Paul to Timothy. And it was also an encouragement by my dad to me. Now, Paul... When he wrote these words, right, we know that Paul, he is the, the most important figure apart from Jesus in the early church. Now, Timothy, he was a young leader in the early church, and he was trained up by Paul. He was respected by Paul. He was affirmed by Paul as a follower of Christ and a leader of Christ's church. And Paul himself, he doesn't look down on Timothy, but he undoubtedly, he considers Timothy to be this co-worker with him in his mission, right? And so Timothy, though being young, he was a young man, though being young, he had an important and large task to lead the early church of Ephesus. And growing up, I related to these stories of the little guys, right? You know, all the movies, anything about an underdog, the little guy. Growing up, I related to those because growing up, I didn't do a lot of growing up. I just kind of like hit that level I stood by. Um, but I love the stories of like Karate Kid, right? The kid that didn't know karate kind of the underdog, of, of Rocky, right? He was, had to beat all the odds to be able to win, of Rudy, Rudy, right, Rudy. And then those little guys in my favorite trilogy, The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbits. I had a soft spot in my heart for The Hobbits. That mission that they had to go on, it was just this unbelievable journey, right? And you root for the little guy. And then this one probably doesn't fit quite so much, but, um, but Michael Jordan, right? Me and Michael Jordan, we both have something in common. Uh, we both didn't make our high school basketball team. Didn't make it. Um, but those little guys, we all have something in common. We relate to those because I think everybody can relate to the underdog. We love these stories. And Timothy, he is a young guy, and he's being looked down on because of his youth. And I think that, that we all know how it feels to be looked down on. And Paul, he is telling Timothy to set the example and I had a thought this week that, man, how, how often and easy is it for us who are experienced in something to be the ones who are looking down on other people? And so there's a lack of example here. And, and Paul, he is trusting this young guy. 
to set that precedent, even though those who are looking down on him should, in reality, be the ones who are setting the example in the first place, right? And what we see here is that we all, we all have an equal responsibility to set an example that honors God. Old, young, a new Christian, an aged Christian, there is a responsibility as followers of Jesus to set an example that honors God. And what that can mean is that the amount of experience we have doesn't always mean qualification, right? That just because, like, in the past I I learned now how to install electrical outlets, just because I have experience in that, doesn't mean that you want to have me come over to your house, take out my screwdriver, start installing electrical outlets without contacting your insurance company and probably the fire department, right? We all have experience, but experience doesn't necessarily mean qualification. And so experience, and here age, right, it's not a free pass for anybody, young or old. Lack of experience, it doesn't dismiss us from that calling to set an example. Uh, Years of experience, it doesn't dismiss us from that calling to set an example. One way we see this, I I think about it in our workplace, right? We, um, sometimes we have a new boss roll up. We get news that that we're going to get a new boss at our workplace, and you maybe be able to see his big resume. You hear about all the things that he's done, all the things that that they have accomplished in their past or where they came from, and all of that's respectable, and it proves something about their credibility, right? But how they set that example, it can credit or discredit those qualifications. Because if they just come in and start treating people poorly, if they, don't look pe- if they don't look their workers in the eye, if they don't treat other people with respect, call us by name, right? Then, then that's not going to go over well. How much are people going to actually respect them? And how they set the example can credit or discredit the things that were on their qualification list. Experience doesn't always qualify. Because our example, it is earned, and it's not just taken, right? It's earned. What kind of godly example are we if we force things into other people's lives without putting in the effort to deserve to be there first? To to be an example for others, we need to truly care about others. So the experienced believer needs the biblical example just as much as the new believer and vice versa. And so for all of us, we all have this responsibility to set an example, luckily because we have a God who doesn't look at the standards that the world has, but he has his own set of standards, right? He, he looks deeper. We know that the Lord doesn't look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord, he looks at what? He looks at the heart. Yeah, he looks inside. And so we all have equal responsibility to set an example that honors God. And we can't dive into the rest of this verse without knowing that, that this applies to all of us, each and every one of us, that our responsibility isn't to look down on other people, to judge other people, but to be the example, and we need to own that. So don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set the example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Now I want to circle back to something that Brady, if you were here last week, he, he talked about. And uh, that was the idea of tattoos, right? I mean, if you've never noticed, I think I have a few. Um, And some people, 
Some people get dumb tattoos, right? Actually, a lot of people get dumb tattoos. I have one. I have this little tattoo right here. It is a tooth. It's a tooth. You ask me the deeper meaning, the deeper meaning of that that I can ever find is the fact that I got my wisdom teeth out two years ago. That's that. Some of us, we get dumb, dumb tattoos. Other of us, we have these tattoos that mean something very special to us. To the point where we're constantly reminded of them. Something that's important, that's a part of our lives. Like right here, I get asked about this guy a lot. And it is the, uh, the first two letters in the Greek alphabet of, of, for the word Christ. It stands for Christ, and it's formed into an anchor. And it reminds me of that anchor of hope that I have in what Christ has offered me, right? So these, these things, they are unforgettable because they are stamped on me. And they go with me wherever I go. They go with me wherever I go. And that's the idea in this verse that Paul is getting at when he uses that word example. I studied into that word a little bit. And that word translated to example is also the word for impression, for a stamp, a scar, a mark. Something that our example means is that it is stamped onto us. And it goes with us wherever we go. And that example, it goes with us and it's expressed in two ways. Our example is expressed in our words, and it's expressed in our actions. And like my tattoos, right, my words and my actions, they leave a lasting impression. A lasting impression. Now, our example, it leaves a lasting impression on our character. In our example of, of words and actions, they can leave good impressions or they can leave bad impressions on people. And looking back at our lives, we can reflect on some of the words that we've said. We can reflect on some of the things that we've done. And man, it's far too easy for me to remember those bad impressions that I've left in people's lives. And it's often harder to remember the good ones. Now, that doesn't mean we didn't ever leave good impressions on people. But I'm the kind of person that for, for every maybe 10 good impressions I might have left, I'll dwell on that one bad one, and it goes with me forever, right? And I think that's because that's we're our own biggest critics, right? We have, we have a higher uh, standard for ourselves. We desire to have a good and godly character, and uh, now that, that one bad impression, it's in the past, there's, there's only one way to go, and that's forward. And, and what that means is we might need to mend things that need to be mended, we might need to learn things that need to be learned, step away from things that might need to be stepped away from. But moving forward, we have to remember that if the bad impression can stick with us for so long, that bad impressions can also affect that character that we show to other people. And when our words and our actions, when they, when they conflict against each other, our actions come out on top. The actions carry that lasting impression to others. So we can't take our words and we can't take our actions lightly. So Paul, he, he gives this little list here of, of places in his life where he is called to set an example. And so he shares that with Timothy and he reminds him to set his example in his speech, his life, his love, his faith, and his purity. 
So in each and every one of these categories, when we approach these in our lives, we can see how we can leave a good example or a bad example, a good impression or a bad impression on others. In those first two in that list, it covers what we've been talking about here. It, it reflects on that important relationship between our speech and our life, our words and our actions. So first off, in our speech, in the way that we talk, in the way that we, we want to make things known to other people, the way that we want to get our point across. We can use our speech with a bad impression, being argumentative, uh, combative, defensive. Or we can use our speech with a, a good impression. We can, we can approach it with wisdom, patience, good judgment. And a part of using our words better, believe it or not, it actually means we have to use our ears better. And we can't forget to allow other people to be heard. And then in our life, the, the way that we act and we conduct ourselves, we think about, about our behaviors and, and our actions. Do they reflect the, the lifestyle that God calls us to, the one that we learn about every single week here? And in our love, right? Our love and our faith, these things are connected because through our speech and our life, we are then called to set this example in how we love and how we show our faith. Because our words and our actions, they're revealed in how we love and how we show faith. So are we loving God? Are we loving others? Are we loving with and because of the preeminent grace that God has shown us? Is, is, is grace at the forefront of our love? A love that gives and supports, a love that cares, one that's not selfish, doesn't boast. We have a responsibility to represent God's love well to him and to others around us, right? And then in our faith, we put our trust, right? Faith is, is trust. We put our trust and our hope in Christ. And we know that all things in the end, they're restored through him. And we trust him through the way that we talk, the way that we act. I say this a lot in the good times and the bad times, right? That's just as important. No matter the circumstance that we are in today, we have a responsibility to keep the faith. Now, that doesn't mean we can't doubt. But allowing our faiths and our doubts to draw us closer to God, to be able to work through them, to, to continue to seek the comfort that he provides along the way, to seek the roots of what we believe and to use every situation for his purpose. And the last little word on this list, it's in our purity. Now, growing up, especially in, in the church, you know, we hear this word a lot. We hear purity. And it brings a lot of, of preconceived thoughts, a lot of preconceived ideas about what purity is, about what purity means. And then this verse here, I don't want us to make a mistake and think of, of purity as simply just sexual purity because it's talking about so much more. And we can't miss that. Here's the word that Paul uses for purity. It's that same word that's used in the Old Testament cleansing rituals after somebody broke the law, something that we don't need to know, something we no longer need to do today after the sacrifice of Jesus. But it talks about cleansing, right? It, it encapsulates what it means to be holy, what it means to be forgiven, what it means to be clean. 
and in our words and in our actions, what it means to live a morally, ethically, theologically holy life. And so in essence, it's, it's a sum of this whole list. It's all together. It all connects. It's a holistic uh, list to set a godly example. It's holistic to setting a holy lifestyle. And they intermingle, and they are all one holy example of a godly character. Our identity, our being, these things that we care so much about, our character, it is made up of this relationship between our words and our actions. So today I want to think to ourselves, what kind of impression does our character leave on others? I'm not a parent yet, hopefully for a long time, but I do have parents. And in parenting, from what I've seen, it looks very difficult. And from what I've heard, from what I've witnessed, um, it's, I'm sure it's hard. But early on in a parent's journey, as, as children grow up, I, I thought of them as like, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I thought of them as like little sponges, right? Baby, they're little babies, they're like little sponges, not because they're soft, right? But because they absorb things so fast. They absorb so much information, so much emotion, so much problem solving, so many social cues and all that. But those things, they don't just come naturally to them. They've got eyes. They're looking around. They're watching their parents, and they have to learn it from somewhere. And so probably from one of the most important places they learn from is their parents. Now today, as I'm more aged, as I'm more experienced and growing up, right, I have friends. We've all become um, individuals, right? We, we, we're all independent from our parents, and I notice that whenever we talk about our parents, I have friends who, who either want to be like their parents as they grow up, or I even have some friends who, who don't want to be anything like their parents as they grow up. And we see that especially in parenting. But we think about that also outside of parenting. That people are watching. That people are, are absorbing the example that we're setting and they're trying to decide if they want to be anything like these followers of Jesus. In this example, it's something that is meant to be imitated by others. And that comes with a big responsibility. A big responsibility. That our example, it has an audience whether we want it to or not. And Paul here, he is challenging Timothy to set an example to who, right? This is key here. To who? Who is he setting the example to? To the believers, to the believers. And I find that quite interesting because one thing I think that, that Christians understand pretty well, something that, that we know that we're called to be is different from the world, right? And part of our mission is to be able to set an example to the world. But how often do we think about setting an example for other believers? To help build each other up, to dig into discipleship, to work together to imitate the life that God calls us to. And when we set an example to each other, when we set an example to the believers, the world's watching. We're also setting an example to the world. I look at it individually. You know, it's, it's hard to have a healthy family if we aren't personally healthy ourselves. It's hard to have healthy friendships if we aren't personally healthy ourselves. And I think we understand that thought of, of self-care being so crucial, so important. We need to take time for ourselves, for sure. 
We need to take care of ourselves so that we can be effective in taking care of others. But then I think on a bigger scale, isn't that the same for the church? For, for all believers to, to take care of each other so that we can be effective in taking care of the world. And in doing so, our character, it leaves this lasting impression, this lasting impression, that stamp, it leaves a stamp on the world. And we need to allow the world to watch us. It's important. If we're called to be examples, we need to do our best to, to, to avoid unnecessary barriers. And I see these barriers that we set up with people so unintentionally. And, and I see it in how we talk to each other. I, I see it especially how we post on social media, the things we share, uh, the things we agree with, and the things that we know we're right about, right? These things that, that people first learn about us. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of it all. But the examples that we set they require this thing called humility. And it begs the question, is it possible to be right and still set a bad example? Can we be right and still set a bad example? Can I be right and still set a bad example? Right. In our effort to be right, in our effort to be true, in our effort to be authentic, maybe, just maybe, we're setting a bad example in how we go about it. I think about the I know I'm right mindset. The, the I'm not going to listen to other people's opinions because I know I'm right mindset. But the words and actions that we make based on just ourselves and our own rightness, that sets ourselves up for disaster. There's a, a prowling monster that grows inside of us. It crawls around. It's called pride. Pride, it is always hiding. Pride, it's difficult to see. And it, it, it blinds itself from us when it attacks us. We need to do our best to stand, stand firm, to be able to set our pride aside, do our best to avoid it at all costs. Because first off, oh man, I know this, I'm not always right. We're not always right about things. But second off, we don't need to have the final word. Because as believers, we've handed that final word over to God. And our God, he calls us to set an example of humility. And sometimes that means to think through our words and our actions and that unintended effect that they can have on other people around us. Yeah, maybe we don't need to share that post today. Maybe that'll cause a barrier between me and somebody that God wants me to connect with. Maybe we don't need to be that loudest person in the room just to get our point across. Maybe that's going to cause a barrier between somebody and how they feel that they can approach us. Maybe we don't always need the easy way out of tough situations. Maybe we would miss out on something that God is trying to teach us to get through so that we're better equipped the next time it comes around. It is humbling to know that we are not the final authority, right? Right, but we are called to imitate the final authority in our speech, in our life, in our love, in our faith, and in our purity. And that means we need to actively pursue the example of Christ. 
that, that our example that we show to the world, that is a representation of the things that we believe. And if the way that we act, if it poorly represents what we believe, sadly, it discredits what we believe to the people around us in the world watching. And it's not even just those big issues either. We're able to set these examples in very small, meaningful ways. When's the last time that we've sent a note of encouragement, right, to friends, to, to strangers? Small acts of kindness, even if it's, you know, opening the door for somebody. People don't do that much anymore. When was the last time that we're at a restaurant and we've treated a worker just as human, right? Figured out what their name was, asked them how they're doing, looked them in the eye. Not just let them ask you what you want to eat, but, but be able to ask them how they're doing, right? Treat people as human. The good news that we have is that it is not too late for us to set the example of Christ. Because our God, he is a God of grace. He's a God of love. He is a God of forgiveness. It's never too late for us to receive God's grace in our life. And it should never be too late for us to show grace to others. And what that looks like is a humbling process. It's difficult. We have to set pride aside. It's not easy. It's not perfect. It's not the same in every single circumstance. And it's definitely not always clear. But when we chase after that lasting impression of Christ in our lives, God has the ability to heal any lasting impression that we might have left on others. And the good news is that we also have the chance to set this example of Christ for what's ahead of us, right? And the challenge for us in every circumstance is to not be quick in our reactions, but to be dedicated to stepping back and actively pursuing the example of Christ. We don't represent him by force. No, we represent him by example. And what better example do we have than Christ, the perfect example? That without the perfect example of Christ, what would be so convincing about his truth? You know, we, we trust the perfect example of Jesus. We look to it. We put our hope in it. We, we put our hope in imitating it to reflect it, to, to let it leave a lasting impression on our lives and the lives of the world and the people around us. And I want to wrap up today with this verse. It's just a couple sentences before this unforgettable verse. And it's in 1 Timothy 4.10. Paul, he reminds us of why we set a godly example. He says this, this is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Our God, he is the Savior of all people. He is the forgiver of all people. And the good news of grace is that it is for us, and it doesn't stop at us. It's there for us to show to others and to share to others, to show to the world. And as we go out this week, I just have a couple things that we want to challenge you with. Things to think about. Challenge you to think about those impressions that you might be leaving on the people that you care about. 
not the impressions that they might be leaving on you. No, let's set that aside this week. Think about the impressions that you're leaving on the people you care about. Let's ask God for wisdom in searching for the impressions that we might unintentionally be leaving on others. Things that we might not even be aware of. Ask God to make those things known, make those things aware to us. And to think about the example of Christ in our lives. Think about how his life has and can change us through the way that he lived, through the way that he died, and how he resurrected for all people. And lastly, as you go out this week, be encouraged. Don't let anybody look down on you, but set the example in your speech, in your life, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. Today's a new slate. It's, it's a new day. It's a new week. And a godly example is not lived out alone. It connects. It connects us to each other as we all go for it. We can faithfully come together to one another, right? For accountability, for encouragement, for forgiveness. A godly example, it connects us back to Christ as we look to him as that perfect example who's shown us an immeasurable grace. So this morning, if anybody here needs prayer, if anybody needs encouragement, feel free to come forward, feel free to reach out anytime this week. But let's go ahead and stand and let's continue worshiping together this morning.